Hi, Butter Babies. We are back. We are a little rusty, which is not something you normally want on your popcorn, but I promise this episode is chock full of flavor with a very special guest named Rain Vasquez, a filmmaker and dungeon master extraordinaire with much uh, expertise on Western films. And for this particular episode, we are going to talk about the Western film Tombstone 1993. So please enjoy and Please excuse my slight rustiness. I did just live through an apocalypse. See you next time. Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn, a movie podcast where we talk about movies, television, and just whatever the hell is on our mind. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire. What we lack in education, we make up for in rants, raves, and rambles. I'm Mixtape Majesty, and I'm here today with a very special guest, my close personal dungeon master and filmmaker, Rain Vasquez. <laughs> Welcome, Rain. Thank you. Did I, say your, last, did I say your last name right? Um, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we just went over it, but you know. Yeah, my, my dad always tells me like how it's how it's supposed to be said and I forget every time. So uh, we'll say yes. Yeah. I'm literally the same way. Also having a Hispanic last name Zavalos. And I know my dad also told me the way that he like wants it said and just do your best. <laughs> <laughs> so today I'm going to start out by uh, asking you some questions about your experiences with movies in general. It's just getting at the heart of how uh, people experience movies and all the different emotions that that brings up. So I'm going to start with some some personal questions. What was the first movie that you saw in theaters? Oh, that that's a good question. I remember when I was a kid, my dad and I went to see the movie uh, Titan AE. Oh, and yeah. I really, really liked Titan AE. And, and I know that this is not like the first movie I ever saw in theaters, but it's like one that sticks out like specifically. I remember that like, I really, really liked it. I remember when it was out on video, I'd like rent it from Blockbuster and I'd just watch it like back to back continuously. <laughs> like, I remember yeah. I was like 11 or 12 and my stepdad right. actually took me to see that. I think that was the first and only movie my stepdad took me to. So I also have a very strong like association with that gotcha. movie. I also yeah. loved it. Should have a rewatch party sometime. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I think that like space movies, like the more like, uh, like the closer we get to being able to like go to space and stuff, like the more relevant, like interesting space movies become like sci-fi in general. Wait, wait, to go to space. Are you saying the moon landing was fake? No, no. Um, edit that uh, as we return to space, but that makes it sound like, like we came from space into space. We will return. Like, Maybe we did. Thing. There, there's different types of movies that are about like exploring the unknown. And I feel like that's going to be a lot more, resonant i guess with like the explorer psyche that we'll see is like we go deeper and deeper into space yeah especially as the earth becomes less and less habitable yeah good times <laughs> this one's a brand new question so i've been trying to keep it standard and ask people the same questions this one is um customized for the times that we currently live in because i want to know the last movie you saw in theaters. And I don't just mean the last time you saw a movie. I mean, we've been in mm -hmm. isolation for a year and a half. Right. So what was the possibly last ever movie? No, no, we'll, we'll be back. But the last movie you saw in theaters. I think it was Alien. 
one of the theaters near uh, where I lived, like they they were doing one of those like re-screenings of, uh, uh-huh. of Ridley Scott's Alien. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, that's like her favorite movie. And so we went to see it. And I remember like sitting in the theater and watching it and being like, being like, damn, like this holds up like the, the, the scariness of it. Like it holds up. Yeah, that is a great movie. And I'm jealous that you got to see it in theaters because you said Alien. And I was like, wait, are you older than me? <laughs> like, you, you, saw, you saw it. That was 1978, right? Yeah, I'm surprised. Or I'm 80. a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting for my podcast. You can tell yeah. me so much. Yeah. The Oscars this year, they're going to be crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what was the first movie that you saw in the theaters without your parents? Oh, gosh. So... Going to the movies is expensive. Um, so like typically the only time I would actually go to the movies is if like my parents were like, let's go to the movies. Um, mm. But I, I try to like reconstruct everything and go back. I know that I saw Inglorious Bastards without my parents. Before that, it's actually going to be either Ratatouille or Surf's <laughs> Up. Uh, I worked at a movie theater for a short little while. And like, those were the two movies I got to see while I worked there. Oh, wait, how old were you then? Uh, gosh, I think it was like 16, 17. Oh, damn. Yeah. I worked in a movie theater from age 23 to 25. Gotcha. Slightly different experience, but I saw a lot of free movies. Yeah, I, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Was that because you were only there for a little while or? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I worked there for a summer and then like there was a like there was some stupid stuff with a vacation that I had planned and like they told me that I couldn't take the time off. So I quit because you know, <laughs> I could be like, oh, my part time, like, <laughs> yeah. part time summer job. I can't go on vacation. <laughs> like, Yeah, especially when you're 16. Fuck that. Yeah. Someone's already covering your rent. Take all your vacations you can. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that like made me sad about it is that like I was working in a movie theater and I like I was I wanted to go to school for like film production. And so like uh, it was it was like a cool job. It was perfectly aligned with like what I wanted to do in the future. And I like, you know, got to see free movies and stuff. And it was more disappointing, like that I had to quit that job to go to a vacation that I thought I cleared with them in advance. And it wasn't even like super relaxing fun vacation i was like volunteering at a summer camp and stuff oh, damn. It's like yeah like I, it's not like i'm just taking off to go enjoy my leisure time yeah <laughs> like, i don't know <laughs> yeah did you try to go back though because i from my experience at movie theaters i feel like people did that all the time they'd be like hey bye and then come back because it's so hard to find people to stick around yeah i i did try to go back oh um, you did i did yeah applied there and then I also applied to the Toys R Us next door and the Toys R Us was like we're going to give you 25 cents more uh, <laughs> over over minimum wage or something like that and like Damn. and then yeah and then the movie theater called me back because they're like oh we probably we don't have to like train him on anything he already knows it and then they wouldn't match the 25 cents so I went to oh work at Toys R Us instead you're wheeling and dealing when you were 16 you were yeah. like a seasoned businessman when you were 16. I mean, if they wanted to, if they wanted to hire me, like all they had to do is give me two more quarters. Like, yeah. Cool. Um, what is your favorite movie snack oh, for, gosh. for the movie theater? So specific yeah, to the theater. Yeah. Um, so I have the diabetes, so I like it, it 
I can't like go to the movie theater and just like sit and eat candy without like kind of in the back of my mind worrying about that mm-hmm. um, but like the thing that I remember most from being a kid is that uh, my family we'd show up at the movie theater and uh, instead of buying concessions, we'd go to the McDonald's across the street. We'd buy hamburgers and then sneak them into the movie theater. Yeah, um, purse hamburgers. I feel like, yeah, yeah. My mom's got them all in her purse, and then we <laughs> get in there and we eat our hamburger. But like, it was. Uh, I, I gotta say, like, there's something about that. Like, I feel like specifically because you didn't buy it at the movie theater that it like tastes better. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. It's like camping. That'll always be my favorite movie snack i think <laughs> the mcdonald's burger what uh what movies have you seen in the mile high club what movies have you seen in, in an airplane um, if, if any the the lone ranger uh the johnny depp one mm. the green hornet i watched cloud atlas and the king's speech like i half paid attention to i was like kind of falling asleep on the way home from somewhere but uh cloud atlas king's speech isn't that like three hours long yeah Cloud Atlas is, is like, yeah, about three hours long. So um, when I was in, when I was in college, I have an aunt and uncle that live in Europe and uh, they, for graduating college, they got me a ticket over to Europe. And so I went to see them and, and hang out there. And, you know, that was, that was fun. But on the flight over and back, I did watch like a handful of movies or put them on and then fall asleep to them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cloud Atlas is a good one. Cause not only is it super long, it's also has cloud in the name and you're in yeah. the clouds. So it was, it was perfect really. <laughs> uh, but that also is one of my favorite movies. Like, Oh, mine too. Well, it's yeah. definitely, it's probably my, it's in my top 50 for sure. Like if you mm-hmm. asked me uh, shortly after it came out, it was in my top 10. And mm-hmm. now I think I need to rewatch it. And also, especially because I, at the time, surprisingly didn't pick up on the racism, which for me, I'm usually like my racism trigger is like very sensitive normally, mm-hmm. but, um, I got to revisit it because at the time I didn't pick up on it. And then I've seen articles since then that talk about it, that there's like anti-Asian or like just some fucked up stuff that Mm -hmm. somehow I didn't pick up on the time and that's on me. (laughs) So I do want to revisit it with that lens. But the storytelling in that movie is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty cool. I I don't think I'd ever seen a movie like that where it's several different stories that are sort of woven together over the narrative of the story. It's just a good story. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It changed the way that I thought about storytelling. And I thought when it came out in like 2014, 2013, I thought it was going to like change cinema, but I think people didn't really watch it that much. So I I don't think it did very well. (laughs) (laughs) What was your, what's the most embarrassing moment that you ever had in a movie theater? Hmm. Or funniest if you're like, well, there's not really anything embarrassing, but like one time, you know, something crazy happened. <laughs> what what's like what's the rating for this show? Like NC 17. <laughs> okay. Um, so when I was working at the movie theater, um, I definitely saw somebody giving somebody else a blowjob in the uh in the theater. And Dang. as far as like, yeah, as far as like awkward situations, that's gotta be one of them. Like <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like a shitty deal for the person giving it because if they're doing that, then they can't even see the screen. Right. Yeah. Like theaters it, it are for hand jobs. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh no! Wait. 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 Okay. This one. This one was really funny. We went to see the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the guy sitting behind me. Every time they said Aslan, the Lion, he would he would go <laughs> Aslan. <laughs> what the fuck? It was so fucking stupid, but. 
like me and my sister were trying so fucking hard not to laugh like right in the middle of the movie (laughs) i hope he went to see the movie just so that he could do that he like didn't give a shit about the rest of it he's like i gotta make fun Um, of that ass land tell me more about your experience with film and you say that you're a filmmaker i'm sorry it's not that you say that you're a filmmaker you are a filmmaker (laughs) you say it's a little accusatory (laughs) (laughs) but all your films were made in canada no one's ever seen them yeah, yeah, just tell me more um, about your experience with film, what drew you to it, and all that. Back in the, the ancient, ancient times of 2007, uh, I was looking to fill up an elective for uh, high school, and they were offering a film class, which had never been offered before, and so I was like, yeah, I'll do that, and um, I just really ended up liking, like, the act of assembling movies into a like assembling footage into a movie and I I decided that I wanted to be a video editor and so I started like our our school did like um college tours and so I went and toured like uh UCLA and USC and like a couple of other uh what were like you know top film schools I was not super attracted to like the idea I guess like of UCLA or USC like being big schools where you're merits like graduating from there is like a big deal and like it, it guarantees you like jobs and stuff like that and it's like that didn't feel right to me and so I ended up uh, touring a couple other colleges and which nothing against people that went to USC or UCLA or anything like that it just you know didn't feel right to me so I went to CSU Northridge and did a tour there and I really liked the campus I really liked the like what their program was about got my degree in film Tried to be a video editor for a little while. I worked at a couple different companies, worked at ABC Family for a little bit on a freelance basis, worked for Funny or Die for a little bit, uh, did some work for the Chicago Tribune, did a lot of a lot of video editing work and just kind of tried to break into uh, filmmaking uh, after about two years and not really getting much anywhere. Like I was, I was able to eke by just barely doing like freelancing. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of decided to move up north. And so I came up to Sacramento and never really touched video editing again, or I haven't at least since then, but uh, I still enjoy doing it. Anytime I get like ideas for something stupid that I can make, I like to throw it together. If I'm uh, lately, I've been getting into like making pizza. And so I made like a video one time on my phone, just of like the process of making the pizza. And like, um, I had a couple friends that did like the 10 by 10 film festival up here and stuff like that, that I helped Mm -hmm. out with just generally it's being kind of like a point person uh with like a little bit of experience and actually doing stuff that if like people have a question about how to do something that I can they can ask me about it kind of thing is it something that you want to get back to yeah um I think about it a lot it it kind of feels like uh career-wise like the one that got away and uh Mm. I do think about it I, I was actually talking to a couple of friends earlier and one of them asked the question like if you could go back in time and like tell yourself like, all right, look, you're going to put like, you're going to double down your effort on like this one thing and do it. And like, you will be successful at it. And like, you could guarantee success at something. They're like, what would you pick? And I was like, oh, video editing. Like, no, like I love my life and the way it turned out now would be vastly different if I was a video editor, but I would absolutely go back and be a video editor. If I could guarantee that it would work out the way I wanted it to, that's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to get into the movie that we are talking about for this episode, which um, was brought up to me by you. Uh, In the late 1800s, there was a 
law enforcement officer and businessman who got up to all kinds of hijinks and shenanigans in the Old West, including going to jail quite a bit and then escaping from jail. He was most famous for refereeing a boxing match where he called a foul and people said he was cheating, which based on what I've read about him, he probably was. He was very yeah. much about making the monies. Um, and then... Like <laughs> And then the other thing he was known for was a, a, a gunfight at the OK Corral in Tombstone. Um, however, he wasn't really known for these two things widely. It was like the people that were involved had knew about it, but it wasn't like publicly widely known until this author named mm, something wrote a book, Stuart, uh, Stuart something. Who cares? He's dead now. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> Uh, wrote a book about him posthumously, uh, which portrayed him as what was called the Western superhero. So he then became very well known through this because it was just this like very exciting story about this mm -hmm. lawman who always did what was right. and was just had all these exploits of like, you know, being a good guy, good old boy out in the old West. People yeah. loved it uh, and ended up making a, a bunch of movies from it over over the course of film history, over 40 films specifically featuring this man included wild bill hickok frontier marshal one frontier marshal two tombstone the town too tough to die my darling clementine wichita the life and legend of wyatt earp a tv series gunfight at the okay corral hour of the gun doc tombstone followed by wyatt earp in 1994 followed by Wyatt Earp's Revenge and Tombstone Rashomon. And those are just the ones that are about like feature him broadly. And then there's a bunch others that have adaptations or like he just like shows up in them. So yeah, very popular character to look at. I did not know he existed or that he was real. I think I had heard the name in passing mostly when you brought it up to me while we were playing Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are going to talk about just one of these movies or all of them, if you've seen them all. But the one we're mostly focusing on right now is Tombstone, which came out in 1993, starring Kevin Co Costner. Sorry, starring Kurt oh. Russell. Yes. <laughs> I know what I saw. <laughs> sorry, Kurt Russell. <laughs> and directed by George P. Cosmatos. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to talk about this movie with you is because... You brought it up and I'd never heard of it. And then you had a very interesting history and experience. Can you tell me, tell me a little bit about um, that experience that you have with this movie? Tombstone is like the first uh, Western that I can ever remember watching. Um, it, it's been a movie in my family that like gets quoted all the time. It is like, it, it's, it's one of those movies that anytime I hear like a, a quote from that movie, I always have to, I'm like, who, who said that? Like kind of thing. <laughs> For some reason, this movie tends to come on in the Vasquez household uh, around Christmas time. Like in the time between <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, this movie will be on like five or six times, I feel like. Um, to the point where like on, on years where I'm not able to go visit my family for the holidays, like, it, you know, I should put on Tombstone and I, I put it on and, and watch it or like, I'll do it on uh, Christmas Eve. I'll put it on and like sit down and eat like a tamale, drink, drink some hot chocolate and like it's just like, watch Tombstone. 
It's like a Pavlovian response to the holidays. Yeah. There's only a couple things that like happen like that. Like the spring is always like I, I set aside time to watch Avatar The Last Airbender all the way through from like episode one to uh, all the way from season one to season three. And then uh, it's just Christmas and Thanksgiving is Tombstone for some reason. It's just it's on anytime, like anytime I go visit my parents and like it'll come up. Does like anybody want to put a movie on? And it's like usually it's Tombstone. <laughs> and uh if if somebody's like leaving the house uh my dad will like typically he'll be like i'll see you soon i'll see you soon and like <laughs> as he walks out the door and it's just like the movie gets quoted constantly in the house and it, it's so ingrained in my family um that it, it's difficult to like think of a time where i can't remember that movie so i watched it for the first time and definitely i was thinking if i saw this as a kid I would have loved it because I loved Indiana Jones and I definitely mm -hmm. got like Indiana Jones vibes from it, but definitely more of like yeah. an adult <laughs> version of Indiana Jones because there's right. more serious topics and less comedy. I'm curious if you remember at all your like specific child experience of it, like moments that really stood out to you as a child. Like for me, <laughs> Indiana Jones, when they think Indiana is dead. And he goes, have you seen them, right? Oh, you haven't mm -hmm. seen them, have you? No, you have. No, okay. I have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Indiana Jones like, goes over the cliff or they think that he does. And then everyone's gathered over the cliff and they're crying. And then he comes up behind them and taps them on the shoulder. That was like, it's just like burned in my memory. The most yeah, funniest yeah. thing I've ever seen. The scene in the bar where it gets like real tense between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo. And then uh, Johnny Ringo does like all the pistol twirling. And then Doc Holliday does the stuff with the cup. <laughs> uh, that like that always sticks out to me um, yeah I just want to describe that scene real quick so the Ringo is is the kind of the bad guy although I'll talk about that too because he was kind of forgettable to me until like the finale and then I was like oh, okay I guess that's the main bad guy anyway he's slinging around his gun being all fancy and wild like looking real cool swinging around his gun everyone's clapping like wow he's twirling his gun on his finger because he's like a really good gunsman and that's what it means when you twirl a gun on your finger and then doc holiday cool as a huckleberry takes a little like metal shot glass that has a handle on it they're like these yeah. tiny little tiny little metal cups and he does exactly the same thing except he's doing it with like a silly little cup and basically making ringo look like a doofus because like anyone he's just twirling something on his finger <laughs> Like, I guess as a kid, like you don't, you don't get like the subtext of the scene, I guess. It's just like, oh, guy doing something funny with a cup, like, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, it's silly. And then like, you know, watching it again, as you get older, you're like, oh man, he is, he is totally just dunking on this guy right now <laughs> yes. and he can't do anything about it. Cause like, it, it's, it, I don't know, just the concept of like losing face made sense to me there as I watched it later in life. But that that's something that I remember a lot as a kid, just like seeing that in the cup and it just looks so cool, you know, like, yeah, uh, Doc Holliday in general throughout that movie just feels like a cool guy when you're a kid and looking at like these larger than life figures, you know? Yeah. I feel like the full like context to the scene is that like, you know, leading up to that is a very tense moment where they're like, they're, they're, they're dick measuring with each other. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're speaking Latin at each other. And like, if you, if you read the translations on the Latin, it's all these like real classical or literary references that like only educated people would like have context for, let alone that it's in Latin. They're, they're basically like, telling each other like fucking 
shoot me, like pull, pull your gun and let's, let's like do this right now. Like the, the exchange is something like you're drunk. Yeah. But in wine, there's truth. And then saying like, we'll do what you do best, which was like, yeah, you're just talking shit. And he, he says, this is what I do best. And he like taps his pistol. That's the point where like somebody comes in they go, okay, break it up guys or something like that. So then when he pulls the gun out, it's like telling, telling doc, like I could have fucking shot you like right now like kind of thing and then turns it into the pistol twirling and then doc's reply with the tin cup is just like like i don't give a shit like yeah. you, you didn't though kind of thing it's such a great scene that that's got to be one of the best scenes in that movie yeah yeah that was a fun one and you mentioned doc holiday and what a great character he was and he was definitely my favorite character from the very first scene that you see him in and everything that i read about this movie i also thought was very interesting because val kilmer is the one He's not playing the main character. He's playing Doc Holliday, yeah. other guy. But he got a lot he more attention. He totally yeah. stole the show. <laughs> Major soul soul stealer, maybe, and show stealer. Also, what's interesting? Did you know that he then plays Wyatt Earp in a movie in 2012? Val Kilmer does. I did, I did not know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a movie called Wyatt Earp's Revenge that came out in 2012, and Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer plays wider which i thought was very funny that's that's awesome yeah <laughs> I, I, to me doc holiday feels like the perfect like anti-hero um in his his portrayal in tombstone and he's he's just like walking around the entire movie looking like he is about to die and, <laughs> um <Hot. laughs> but just but just being so cool about oh no like i know several of my like friends that are girls that are just like oh my god is he single like that would be like like that about like a sickly looking skinny <laughs> oh, no. guy dude. But, um uh he he's just he's so cool uh in this movie and every time he's on the screen it feels like he gets out some real funny like like funnier or real cutting like one-liner at somebody like mm -hmm um like when when he's like oh we'll be as big as san francisco and then like some guy gets shot in the street he's like oh how cosmopolitan like it, it just yeah um, he's definitely the in this in the ensemble of this western he's definitely the the iron man or the spider-man mm -hmm. like there's the every man right. like wyatt earp is very straight edge taking himself very seriously and doc holiday whether that was you know well i mean i don't know how accurate this was to his real life personality but let's say it was whether he was like that all his life or he became that way when he um contracted tuberculosis and was kind of like right. fuck it the i'm consumption yeah i'm gonna die anyway why not just like <clears throat> call people daisies and <laughs> fuck around yeah it's a very like <laughs> it feels very goth like cowboy yeah goth. <laughs> cowboy like goth yeah other thing i like about him i personally like about him i don't know if you'll agree but i the way that he talks it's like Southern drawl, but it's very mm -hmm. sexy. It, he talks, it's basically like pillow talk all the time to me is what it sounds like. Yeah, He's like always yeah. softly speaking in your ear and like a sensual voice, except it's at full volume and it's like in the middle of the street next to the Oh horse. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like definitely, definitely. Like when he, when he's um, first introduced in Tombstone, when uh, Billy Bob Thornton is coming up to, with the shotgun and, uh, he he calls about it. he's like Johnny Tyler and then and you're right like he's sashaying over to him very like uh provocatively and like where are you going with that scattergun Johnny like very very you're you're right like it, it's it's almost like overtly sexually charged like the entire yeah. time he's on the screen yeah um, he's exuding it exuding yeah. sexuality 
<laughs> yeah, and, and, but it's like that. It's he does that, but then it's like it, it's very, very clear, like with his with his drinking and gambling and everything. Like when he is at the point of like no return, and he and he's like, and he and he looks like a mess. Like at, at some of those like later scenes in the movie when he's just he's been drinking and he's been gambling for like thirty six hours straight. And, he, he ends up like passing out like at the poker table like kind of stuff it's just a super great like portrayal of a character that goes over so many different like areas you know what uh what character do you relate to the most or or okay wait tell me this as a kid which character did you relate to or want to be the most and then has that changed as an adult or is it still the same character if any I don't I don't really remember as a kid being like I want to be this character I, I just thought it was like cool now I, I bet like if I ask my mom or my dad they'll be like oh you wanted to be so and so or something like <laughs> they, they might remember but I thought that uh, Doc Holliday was really cool I thought that like Wyatt Earp was really cool I thought that that Sam Elliott like uh Virgil Virgil Earp I thought that he was really cool like I just remember yeah. like watching it and just being like oh look at these cool guys like doing <laughs> cowboy stuff but like lately in my watching I don't know the the end of the end of the movie where Wyatt Earp is talking to Doc and and he's like basically saying like I got I got my revenge I got like what I feel is justice but it doesn't like I still don't feel like good about it and he's that he's like I followed this like revenge for so long that it, that it's like what do I do now I guess like in some respects like I've never been on a vendetta against a group of outlaws or anything but like I feel like that sentiment of like I've achieved this thing that I've been looking forward to for so long and now I don't know what to do next like kind of thing I think is really easy to relate to yeah um, anyone who went to college can relate to that right yeah I graduate feel like and then it's like what <laughs> Cause I'm not like, I'm not doing anything that, that directly involves like what I studied for my degree. And it's just like coming to terms with that and being like, Hey, that's fine. Like, you know, just, it's exactly what, what doc says at the end is just there, there's no such thing as a normal life. Just, there's just life and you go out and you live it. That and was a like, great yeah. line. That's such yeah. a good line. Yeah. And, and it, cause it's like, cause it's true. Like everybody has a, a really big idea of like what their life is going to look like or what they want to make their life into. And it's like, yeah, that could happen. It could also not happen. And it's, and you really like at the point that it's like not going to happen, it's like, you can't really do anything about it. So like, don't worry about it and just kind of try to, you know, YOLO. Yeah. Get what you can, out of it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really great lines in this movie, including that one. And actually I think that Doc Holliday had a good number of them I don't know mm. if that was like an editing thing where like I, I do wonder because there are a lot of deleted scenes which I deliberately didn't watch because I knew I wouldn't be able to remember what was deleted and what wasn't but I'll probably mm. watch the deleted scenes later but I do wonder if the editing was changed at all once they saw like what a showstopper uh Val Kilmer was to make sure that he gets all his his good lines out there yeah I will tell you my least favorite line my least favorite line is uh, we can talk a little bit about Josephine when he goes to apologize to her for being mm -hmm. a dick. She says, I forgive you the moment you said it. <laughs> like, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. So good movie. Girl, but, girl no. <laughs> yeah. The, 
the josephine marcus stuff like okay i get it you know that that was like the woman that he like they never got married married but like uh they did get common law married, I, I believe. The real people right. in, in real life. But isn't isn't that like common laws when you just like live together long enough that you're presumed to be married or something like that, right? I think so. But that was all his wives. That's how he got married to all of them. I think that was yeah. more common than like official marriage back then. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That that makes sense. But it, it's so I, I get that like she was his wife and that like that's important. Um, and it, And that does give you the like feel good like guy gets the girl at the end of the movie kind of thing but gosh that <laughs> the it, it feels it, it feels like it was the least developed part of the story that like it, it was just kind of there yeah and, uh, that was my also my least favorite part of the movie is the like the ending felt like a just a different movie like I was mm-hmm. I was on board like western Indiana Jones Casablanca vibes like there's even like some noir like shooting and and all that and then the ending it was just like boom i'm watching like just a 1990s holiday family movie yeah right like it's it's christmas and it's snowing and room service (laughs) and like like a different movie (laughs) like yeah and and it's like it's almost kind of like it with a with a movie that i like think of whenever like somebody talks about westerns like tombstone is the first movie that pops into my mind it just feels like it's such a strange ending to have like you can take out the fact that it's christmas and you can take out the snow and you've got a western movie ending there right mm. like you know um he he rolls into town and they they live happily ever after right off into the sunset type of thing having it having it on christmas and having it like snowing and being like that just makes it feel so much like we should see ebenezer scrooge like come out of his window and be like <laughs> boy what day is it like kind of yeah. like kind of thing as well you know everyone like, it, learned their just, lesson <laughs> right exactly just like in all westerns that's what happens at the end it's a yeah. great moral tale where everyone lives happily ever after <laughs> that does bring bring me to another question I had for you though is like because I have not seen many westerns I'm trying to even think I've I've maybe seen three including Mm. this one so what's your experience with um western films because it seems like you're someone based on the picture hanging on your wall and the fact the fact that you play pancake (laughs) pancake cowboy and Fortnite tells me that you may be something of a western fan yeah um so that picture back there uh, it's one that my friend got me. It's um, you've got uh, Clint Eastwood uh, as the man with no name from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or uh, sorry, A Fistful of Dollars, and then you've got oh. Toshiro uh, Toshiro Mifune from Seven uh, Samurai. No, not Seven Samurai. Um, Yojimbo. Yojimbo. And, oh, that's uh, right. Those movies are so. A Fistful of Dollars is based on Yojimbo, which is in turn based on another movie called Buchanan Rides Alone. Uh, that was a western not a lot of people know about that movie and I only know about it because I read a lot of books about western movies and stuff when I was uh, in film school Uh, Mm -hmm. so to answer your question yes I love westerns Um, they my my dad grew up um, my dad was a legitimate cowboy like he he used to um, like yeah vaquero uh, used to uh, rope um used to like do do bull riding like calf roping things like that like uh he went to college and, and learned like ag science and stuff and he used to like run the lamb unit at cal poly he he's done a lot of agriculture like stuff and he's done cowboy stuff i remember like this there's specifically like two movies with my dad 
is one of them is tombstone and the other one is uh open range that he talks about a lot but mm. those are like um the two westerns that like i really associate most closely with my dad in college like i was working my way through the imdb top 250 and i i watched uh the good the bad and the ugly a fistful of dollars and a few and for a few dollars more like back to back and i was just kind of like whoa like westerns are really cool <laughs> and like even before that like I, I liked tombstone and i liked open range and like um when i was in film school like uh the Coen brothers like true grit came out and I got to watch like a whole bunch of other ones in like my film studies class that like some of them that just kind of got um, there, there was a writer, I think his name was like Frank Fenton. And he wrote a lot of um, those sort of noir, like pulpy, like type movies where, you know um, she had legs all the way up to her neck, kind of <laughs> like stuff like that. But then he, he wrote a, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he also wrote a Western that was basically just one of those like heist movies, like heist hard-boiled detective movies that he wrote, but it was just set in the West. And like, um, what's that called? Station West. That's what it is. The few Westerns that I've seen is Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen that? Yep. I assume. Of course you have. Yeah. That- classic, classic Sergio Leone spaghetti Western. Yeah, that was so good. Just like truly a work of art. Mm-hmm. So I watched like a lot of spaghetti westerns, um, and then I watched like a couple of the classic westerns, like the Searchers and uh, like High Noon. Started watching um, like westerns made in different co- countries. So you had like uh, Sukiyaki Western Django, uh, the uh, what's it called, um, the Good, the Bad, and the Weird. <laughs> um, a, a, like so that one that one's in Korea like Sukiyaki Western Django's in Japan and then you said something about Tombstone Roshimon which I was like hmm. I'm kind of like wait what is that because I've never heard of that and now I kind of want to watch it so I have a feeling it's going to be it's from 2017 from the cover it looks American let's see here it is American gotcha I don't know what the heck's going on with it Oh, it's it's done in the multi in the style diff- of Akira Kurosawa's Rushmon. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, sounds like a movie night. Lately, I've been watching westerns that are from like, I guess like a different point of view. So, like uh, the series Godless on Netflix is about a town in uh, the old west where every man in the town dies, and so it's just a town full of like women on the frontier. Um, mm. And then they get visited by like a um, group of outlaws and they end up like having a big shootout with all the outlaws at the end of it. And it's that like, sounds awesome. it's, it was pretty cool. Like I was, I was super into it. And then um, there's another one called the wind, which is like a Western horror where this lady's like living out on um, like out on the, out on the plains, like by herself. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks um it looks really cool. Uh, there, there's just a ton that I need to check out that I just haven't made the time to really check out just yet. Yeah, that sounds really interesting too. So in your, if you had to make a top 10 Westerns, do you know approximately where Tombstone would fall? Or is it hard to say because you grew up with it? <laughs> I mean, I'd say it's in the top three, like somewhere there and, and it's like I'll, I'll be honest like it's purely like I, I've had discussions with a lot of people about 
whether or not Tombstone is a good movie. And I think <laughs> it's a good movie, obviously. But like, uh, it it's for me so much that like the idea of whether or not it's a good movie doesn't factor into my head just because of the like nostalgia that I get from watching it. Like the waves of nostalgia that I get from seeing this movie and like pretty much doing like a quote along with it. Like every time I watch it, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel about star Wars. I cannot, I will not claim to be able to tell you whether or not a new hope empire strikes back or return of the Jedi are good movies or not. I can't objectively tell you that I love them and that's, all I can say yeah so, yeah I've been watching them over and over since I was five so like I can't right, I can't be right. objective um I'm gonna go over some like fun facts about the movie that I wrote down something that was interesting is the director George P. Cosmatos um he was he started making movies in Italy do you know anything about mm. him I don't know okay well, he started making movies in Italy in the 70s Um, And he had some success there and I think ended up winning some awards there. And they were all very, they were like war dramas. Like Mm -hmm. there was one about um, World War II. There was one about, that was called Massacre in Rome and it was about a real massacre in Rome. So he was very um, experienced in depicting like high action, high Mm -hmm. murder, stuff like that. So I can see how that prepared him to make a film like this. Yeah. And you can like, you can see that. I think that that comes out most in like the, um, the creek ambush like where they they get ambushed by the cowboys and then it's like a real hopeless kind of situation but it feels very war movie uh that mm. part of it oh yeah yeah that totally does um and then he went to canada and he made a um horror movie called of unknown origin which won two awards so he really had like just out of the gate every movie he made was just like getting accolades yeah. Um, which then ended up, well, then he made Rambo First Blood Part 2, which people still loved, too. I don't know if it won any <laughs> awards, but um, he did Cobra and Leviathan, which I feel like I should know, but I don't. Um, and then he made Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And then he made a movie called Shadow Conspiracy in 97. And just like, I don't know if he retired, but that was his last movie. And mm-hmm. then he lived throughout the rest of his life not making movies which i i just found that super interesting he just like out of the gate boom just like made all these like gems and then just quietly went away Hmm. man that's weird yeah mad respect assuming that he left like by choice and wasn't like forced out or something crazy like that yeah yeah that's right i I love the idea that someone can just be like well i did what i set out to do and i'm done like yeah just make work live off the money that i made and made a name for myself i think that's i think that's great i like to imagine that's what happened yeah another fun fact there for maybe the first time in hollywood history there was less of an age difference between two love interests the actors than there actually was the people in real life oh um, for real <laughs> kurt russell and dana delaney were only five years apart like the actors which is very oh. impressive for hollywood because it's often yeah, like 10 yeah, yeah. to 20 but right. in real life, there was 12 years between um, Wyatt Earp and the real Josephine. She was 20 and he was 32. Yeah. So they actually, they flipped that. Hmm. For the Put first it on time. its head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for the first time ever. Uh, another interesting thing. The real Wyatt Earp was once fined $1 for slapping a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said, mm-hmm. yeah. did, you, oh, did you read no, about I, that earlier? I, yeah, I knew that one. Um, and then the... 
there was somebody was it the prostitute herself that was also fine like the there was another person that was fined in that situation and they were fined an exorbitant amount of money 50 dollars, like, yeah and he yeah. so because he was a cop he only got fined one dollar and that was the maximum amount you could find a cop for slapping a prostitute which is bullshit really? yeah that was <laughs> as much as he could be fined was a dollar silly yeah that's ridiculous but yeah Especially uh, considering what we know about Wyatt Earp and how he started and ran several brothels and was arrested in several for starting and running and being in them. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, that, that's too in the movie. They like, they, they allude to like all of the stuff that Wyatt Earp did, but they, they never really come out and say like, here's all the things that he did. Like, uh, but there is one part where um, what's his name? Ike Clanton. It is saying says something like i hope they cut your pimp's heart out or something like that oh, like yeah. um so yeah he he basically he came to town and he did for a while he was like he would ride shotgun on like stagecoaches and then um and then his brothers and him they got a they got a um stake in like a mine and then they bought uh what they refer to in the movie the stake at the oriental so he was uh he was a dealer a pharaoh dealer and then um he actually this was something that i found out uh he was actually deputized like a lot sooner than he was in the movie mm-hmm. um, he was deputized like before uh the sheriff in the town got shot uh that's right mm-hmm. yeah he he like got deputized a lot quicker than they made it out to be in the movie Yeah. Well, the other thing about the timeline is I don't know if it was supposed to feel this way, but the whole like Marshall gets shot um, and then up to the gunfight, the famous gunfight and then the like creek scene. It felt like a week at most, maybe three days to seven days. In real life, it was five months. Yeah, (laughs) I thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was supposed to like feel that short, but definitely does feel like. It definitely does feel like he kills all of the cowboys in like three days. Like <laughs> took him took him a little bit longer. But I was one thing I was impressed with reading reading about Wyatt Earp is I thought that this film actually struck a really good balance between skating along that Hollywood edge of like it wasn't really like this, but also taking a lot of true facts and like a lot of like little nods to people who would know like the mm-hmm. true story of Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Even to the point where I think it was definitely less flattering than it sounds like the famous book was. Um, Wyatt Earp Frontier Marshall was that was the book uh, written by that dead guy who Stuart Lake, that was his name, um, that made him famous. And then they, that's when they started making all the movies about him and right. that just portrayed him as this like Western Superman. I feel like this movie was more realistic, probably, than it sounds like that portrayal was. Yeah, um, it definitely like. You can definitely, though, if you're like looking at the history of Wyatt Earp, even like the, you know, Wikipedia history of him, um, it's definitely a lot more tame uh, Mm -hmm. than it it feels like Uh, up till viewing it recently when I watch it, like being a kid and watching it and seeing like the interactions between Wyatt Earp and Josephine Marcus, I'm like, oh, they must be friends, like, you know, (laughs) um or like oh they both have a crush on each other or something like that but like Mm. it's i mean watching it when you're older it's like oh they're they're banging like oh yeah um, and further evidence of that hi kitty (laughs) 
<laughs> Further evidence of that, I don't know if you read this part about, so about this book that it was released after Wyatt Earp died, but the pe person who was writing it was in talks with both Wyatt and Josephine um, mm -hmm. before he died. Um, and they threatened to sue him if he didn't take out mention of Josephine and mention of Maddie, his previous um, common-law wife who was addicted mm -hmm. to, to laudanum. Eddie Blaylock. Which, as I read more about um, Josephine, what was apparently happening was she absolutely refused to reveal details about that part of her life, both in interviews with people, because people, after all these movies were coming out, people always wanted to inter interview them and hear about more about their life and about the gunfight and all that. Right, right. Um, but both for interviews and the book that she was trying to write about herself and the book that was being written about Wyatt, she refused to like talk about that phase of like, what was she doing? Where was she? How long has she been there and all that? Which mm -hmm. really leads me to believe they were banging. <laughs> like, yeah. They were definitely banging I, I, when he yeah. was still technically with um, Maddie. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's like, Watching the movie now, it's like, oh, that mare's in season. Well, let's go run them through. The, like, it, it's like, okay, that blatant. Like, I'm just kind of like, hmm, good euphemism. euphemism like, yeah. yeah, they ran the horses through the pasture. Yeah, but like, even in that, it's that like thing about like how women are depicted as like seducing men to to like cheat kind of thing because he's like well i guess we better separate them and she's like nope let's go run it out of them kind of like yeah it's like okay like wow you're an oak quiet like um <laughs> yeah every time he sees her he's like mad because he's like damn it like yeah. now that she's here i have to bang her who would stop like who could <laughs> fault me <laughs> yeah and, and it's uh it, it's it was that and um there was one other thing that like watching it later, I was like, oh, this means this kind of thing. Mm. Uh, the the card game Pharaoh is like notoriously easy to cheat at for the house. Like um, it, it was like the game was so popular because the odds on paper worked out like just barely in the house's favor. So it was like conceivably the easiest game to like win at if you were like playing, but it was also very easy to rig and cheat if you were the house so mm. it was like never, never in the never in the uh player's favor but i, I mean so like there, there's a lot of stuff that it's just like it's like well hollywood does a good job of like making it look like he's a he's you know he's a good guy um but there there were most likely some things in his life that were not great yeah i would love to see the gritty reboot of that you know the way that's kind of gotten in vogue because of the whole Batman mm -hmm. gritty reboot and then for a while they were just doing gritty reboots of everything and they kind of all sucked but it was still interesting to see that like take I don't know almost like a honeymoon period of America and its superheroes and it's like happy yeah. fairy tales was that period had like ended and we're like but what about if it was like real life but of course it mm -hmm. wasn't really like real life it was like what if it was like really dark like yeah. the dark Hollywood version of it just make everything noir Cause that's how mm -hmm. we all feel right now. I would like to see like a Western that was more like that. Yeah. I bet you that's what tombstone Rashomon or Rashomon is. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man. Now I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Like even the, the soundtrack to the movie feels kind of fairy tale-ish, like in a little, in mm. a little way it's like, it's definitely got the, um, what's it called? Like the Western elements to it. But like when they're first coming into tombstone and it, and it's, uh, or, 
when they're when they're first coming into Tombstone and the music that plays, like Josephine Marcus's theme that plays when they, mm. when they like meet and stuff, feels very fairy tale-y. And probably like probably by like design, because it's you know, they're they're coming into town for like a new start in life. Uh, and so that has like kind of that magical feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and then I mean, you, I remember you texting me like that Manny Manic Pixie Dream Girl about uh Josephine. Oh yeah. And, the whole that was during the whole conversation they have under the tree where it's like oh yeah she literally just exists as a plot device in that like in real life she didn't but in that scene yeah it was just a plot device to get him to like shake out of his stupor and and she didn't really have much of a character beyond that and beyond just like going along with whatever he did but yet she's presented as like this like strong character because she says she is and that's all you have to do <laughs> if yeah. to be a strong woman character if she says she's strong then she is <laughs> that was interesting but i don't know i've seen a lot worse it didn't bother me that much it was just like damn y'all could have done better but it was the 90s yeah back to the music though speaking of the music i just looked up the person who did the music and it makes sense that it had that vibe because um he also scored a ton of disney films he did The Rescuers mm-hmm. Down Under, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which came out the same year. Also a great movie. <laughs> a Western <laughs> with animals, though. Yeah. Um, Young Sherlock Holmes, Baby's Day Out, Harry and the Hendersons, Miracle on 34th Street. So not exactly a gritty Western composer, this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds a little bit more wholesome, but like... Yeah. <laughs> It does lend that it does lend that vibe to the movie, but it still hits like in the parts where it needs to, like the wah, 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 like yeah uh, thing. Really, really like that phrase of the music, like really works when it when it's needed for like a big moment. Yeah, I, here's a fun fact about this is my last fun fact. Yeah, this, but this is a fun fact again about why or more so than the movie. But I think this would have been a funny scene. Maybe it's a deleted scene. In the real story of when all the shooting went down, when Wyatt pistol whipped, I think it's Ike. He pistol whips someone in the head and gives them a little bonk on their noggin. And then he has a bandage on his head and he goes to buy uh, a gun because um, his guns were taken away because he was drunk and threatening people. So he doesn't Mm -hmm. have any guns right now. So he goes to buy one and the gun seller, whatever they're called, gun gonna tear gunsmith yeah uh sees he has a bandage on his head and refuses to sell him a gun and i read that and i was like the gun safety laws back then were better than now because <laughs> nowadays <laughs> like damn that guy respect he's like you have a yeah. bandage on your head sir you don't need to be shooting anybody the, the nra the nra would be like he's infringing his <laughs> god-given second amendment right to yeah yeah <laughs> that's um oh if i was gonna be a character um in the movie i would be big nose kate which was her real name which is um doc holiday's his uh, wife right i guess so yeah girlfriend mistress like in the movie they definitely they kind of gave the vibe almost that she was taking advantage of him and that she skipped out but according to what i read about the real guy she was there. She was like there for him his whole life, but like on and off. Well, not his whole life, but mm-hmm. since they met, they kind of like kept going off and doing their own thing and then always kind of coming back together. And yeah, but uh, I thought she was she was the most interesting woman character. I thought they did her dirty in the end because they made her ended up. Well, he called her the Antichrist, which I was like, that was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then like the best like 
the most good woman character, I think, was Allie Virgil. Was it Allie Virgil's wife? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think of the when the doctor tells Virgil, like, that, you know, that arm's going to have to come off. And he he says, like, oh, it's okay, darling. I still have one arm to hold you with. Like, <laughs> so I cute. always, I think about that. And I'm just like, that's such a, like, that's such a good line. Like, <laughs> so cheesy. And I love it. I, yeah, I can't even fault that. That's just such a cute cute line I and I loved yeah. his character and it's partially because of Sam Elliott like when he says that mm-hmm. like everyone's heart just melts Sam Elliott like I whenever I like think of a cowboy I think of Sam Elliott like because he just he just has the look like especially in this movie with the mustache and the way that it like frames his face and like uh just like the perfect amount of like silver in his hair and everything like he he's <laughs> he's just, he just has that look, you know, Yeah. when you see him in the stuff that he wears in tombstone, it's just like, yeah, this is, this is That's right. that this fits, you know? Yeah. totally. Um, and just like, but it's, it's always like with Sam Elliott, like when somebody says Sam Elliott and Western, like I think of tombstone, I don't think of like, you know, the, the other movies that he's been in, it's always it's just tombstone. Like yeah. that's specifically, it's like the movie that comes up in my, in my head. Cool. I think we'll start wrapping up here. Any last thoughts or feelings that you would like to share with the world about Tombstone 1993? You should watch it. If you haven't watched <laughs> it, you should watch it. it it's um, if you if you like Westerns, like you've probably already seen it. If you don't like Westerns, like maybe give it a shot. Like maybe you'll maybe you'll find something that you do like in it. Um, it's just uh, it's a good movie. It's a good Western. I agree with the idea that, yeah, if you haven't seen a Western, I think this is a great one to start with because it's pretty fast paced. There's someone for everyone in it. I agree. You should watch it. Yeah. Cool. This has been Bring Your Own Popcorn. Bring Your Own Popcorn. I'm a popcorn fall, don't be mad at me